Right. And then we're like, did you read that? Did you and read I was like, that? I read that. Did you read did that? Did you read that? Did like, we got to talk about that. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Hey, welcome back to the TMBA pod. Happy Thursday morning, boss man. Hey there. This, of course, is the podcast where we believe building a profitable business is one of the best ways to introduce financial freedom into your life, a concept that we're going to talk about today. One of the other things we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about location freedom, something critically important to both of us and the audience, you know, the freedom to locomote yourself around the globe, so to speak, even if that's just to visit family, to visit friends, to go to interesting conferences, to chase the sunshine. Whatever your jam is, that's something that when I had a job, I desired almost more than anything. In fact, that was the one thing on my early days dreamline, Ian, that felt the most absurd to me as like a fully grown person was like, I can't even like go someplace. Where did I go wrong that I can't go someplace? And I really felt stuck. And so anyway, that's what we talk about on the show. And today we're going to talk about a controversial topic, Ian. I would say we're not very controversial guys, but today, all that's going to change. One year ago, I wrote a controversial article. It was called The Cult of Early Retirement Meets, or Strangely Doesn't Meet, The Cult of Entrepreneurship. Today, we are going to present an audio version of that article by request from the TMBA listeners. And then at the end, we're going to come back on and we are going to give some hot takes one year later, and discuss what has turned out to be a very polarizing opinion. In fact, this whole thing started, I believe, uh, with a little bit of anger. Do you remember how it started? I do, yeah. We had a strategy call, read an article together, had a strategy call, and then we're like, wait a minute. Well, the article was like not had anything to do. We just read MrMoneyMustache.com. Yeah, it's a great blog. It's a good website. It's a great blog. We both got on this call with the auspices of doing productive things. Right. And they were like, did you read that? And I was like, did you read that? that? Did you read that? Did you read like, that? Like, we got to talk about that. Can you believe what he said over on that website this morning? That's how I felt about it. <laughs> you were fired up about it. And you were like, you go write something about this. You got to write something. <laughs> and I was like, first off, this is like music to my ears. In all of our years of our partnership, I don't think you told me to go write something. <laughs> I'm like, go sit down and type something out, man. Come on. I'm like, really, boss? I get to write? This is great. I'm going to, I'll go do it. <laughs> so you went out and you wrote it, got a bunch of comments, got a lot of shares, and today we're going to recite it, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about it. All right, let's roll it. The cult of early retirement meets, or strangely doesn't meet, the cult of entrepreneurship. Very few words seize my attention like retire early. So it's no wonder that over the years, I found myself consuming a wide range of ideas from early retirement bloggers and financial gurus. Most emphasize the fundamentals, being frugal and saving money. They talk about making purchases mindfully, 
putting off short-term consumer highs for long-term financial freedom. Most of all, these writers warn us against going into debt. Debt, we all can agree, is the antithesis of financial freedom. And although I've read many of these writers, and some of my favorites include Early Retirement Extreme, Dave Ramsey, and Mr. Money Mustache, who we've also interviewed on, on this podcast, I've never really felt part of their tribe. Some of the specific suggestions they make make sense, but their worldview never fully clicked with me. And here's where it gets a little religious. We've all been in a conversation with people who have different beliefs. Awkwardness and irritation can flood in as both sides catch themselves wondering, why are they kidding themselves? After all, we all agree on the facts, right? So how do we leap to such radically different conclusions? So this is how I feel about the early retirement crowd. We both want financial freedom, but how can they believe that saving money for decades is the optimum way to achieve it? So let's start with some of the facts that we agree on, okay? The path to early retirement begins something like this. Step one, radically reduce your spending. Step two, become debt-free, aggressively pay off all your loans, ideally your mortgage as well. Step three, save as much as you can and invest those savings safely. So what's step four? Can you guess what it is? I know my answer. I believe it religiously. So when I read these ideas, part of me is always waiting, nodding my head in anticipation for the big payoff. The argument has been clearly laid out. The facts are on the table. I expect we'll arrive together at step four with resounding confidence. After all, it's right after step number three. For the retire early crowd, though, step four is a generally muddled affair. Early retirement extreme, for example, is awfully vague. Quote, I am reluctant to give specific investment advice on this blog. The reason is that unlike frugality and personal finance, which anyone can learn in a couple of months, investing properly takes at least a couple of years. Mr. Money Mustache is more resolute. In a popular article about attaining financial freedom, he declares that, quote, if you can save 50% of your take-home pay starting at age 20, you'll be wealthy enough to retire by age 37. Retiring at 37 sounds pretty good. But earning a good salary, paying taxes, living life, all while saving half of your income, that sounds daunting. And doing it for 17 straight years seems even more so. But I think it's fair to distill both of their strategies as something like this. Save, and then wisely invest those savings. And for me, that's pretty good, but it's not the answer. It's a nice rule of thumb, but I could never see it as a path to salvation. Occasionally, on a long walk, I'll imagine myself in conversation with readers of these early retirement blogs or Dave Ramsey podcast listeners. It goes something like this, like, okay, you want financial freedom, right? Yeah, of course. I've already started paying down my debt and putting aside savings. So now that you've got your financial life in order, what are you going to do with your time? What do you mean? Well, according to Mr. Money Mustache, you need to save 20 to 30 times your living expenses to retire and live off the residual income. For me, that means I need to save well over a million dollars. So how are you going to do that? Oh, well, you know, we're going to live frugally. We're reducing down to one car and it's all paid off. And I imagine myself saying like, no, no. I mean, how are you going to earn the money in the first place? Oh, well, you know, I'm going to continue with my career. I make $85,000 a year as an accountant. 
and maybe my, I'll get a raise in the coming years. And if we can live off of 30K a year, we can save 35K a year after taxes. And so I only need to do this, you know, and you sort of, <laughs> am I crazy that I'm having these like sort of absurd conversations in my head? But I just, this is like my facepalm moment in these conversations. It's sort of the moment where it all breaks down. I think the philosophy itself breaks down. Because I believe that the reason we reduce debt and change our spending habits is not to stockpile salary, but to take control of an even more precious resource, our time. Once we do that, we can put it to good use sorting out the complexities of step number four. Our time is so powerful, in fact, that we might even risk some of our savings to get more of it. But in the early retirement world, step number four is focused on saving, investing, long periods of stability, and good returns in the market. I imagine a stoic sort of endurance. Simple living, a garden, staying in one place, avoiding major shakeups and medical emergencies, a do-it-yourself ethic to every day and often very boring problems. I imagine many years of so-called gainful employment, all to make sure the plan stays on track. Because without the plan, without the earnings and the savings, there is no early retirement. But I can't relate I've lived this plan, this religion, and in my experience, it's brutal on the mind and soul. Here's why. If you have to spend your days finding clever ways around consumer purchases, you haven't really won a battle that's worth winning. If I had stuck with this way of doing things, I probably would have found ways around consumer purchases and then broken down around year number five or something and gotten a brand new big ass truck. So much for the plan. But since my experiments with the religion of early retirement, I've guzzled a different kind of Kool-Aid. To me, getting financially fit means treating your personal finances like a business, and that's steps number one through three. They're the natural first steps to being enterprising. The most meaningful changes happen in step number four and five. So here's how I'd rewrite them TMBA style. So again, number one, radically reduce your spending. Every entrepreneur should do this. Number two, become debt-free and aggressively pay off your loans. Step three, Save as much as you can and invest those savings safely. Step four, here's where TMBA comes in, become an entrepreneur, start or buy a business. Step number five, retire early, often or not at all. It's up to you. It's worth just saying for clarity, the answer is to become an entrepreneur, guys. <laughs> if you have a job or don't feel ready to start your own venture, Get a gig that will help you build the skills and resources you need to eventually start a small business, even if you're going to get paid less. We call that becoming an apprentice. Regardless of what your answer to step number four is, we might be able to come together to agree on this point. It's complicated and it's difficult. It's so complicated that most financial gurus outsource step four to jobs and investment funds. They also often fail to follow their own advice, working long guru hours instead of cutting back on their personal expenses. There are lots of reasons for not talking about step four, so I perk up when they do talk about it. And recently, Mr. Money Mustache talked about step number four, which got my interest. So here's a quote from a recent article. For the past two years or so, I've been keeping a secret from you. And I think today is finally time to spill the beans. The secret is that my wife is no longer really retired, and in fact, she started a business that is now big enough to fund our entire family's lifestyle. Interesting. Mr. Money Mustache's wife used her free time, thanks to being frugal, being out of debt, 
and having savings, which are steps one, two, and three, to build a business that now covers their living expenses. I kept reading the article. How long did it take Mrs. Money Mustache to cover her expenses with her new business? Quote, this was April of 2014. That's when I started my first e-commerce shop. The article was published in April 2017. So that's three years. So I started to feel some unwarranted and sanctimonious vindication. The business started 1,000 days previous. If Mrs. Money Mustache had sought my advice about how long it might take her or her readers to cover their living expenses with a small business, I would have guessed three years, and I'm on the record. Three years might sound like a long time just to cover expenses, but it's much less than the majority of retirement strategies, and it's just the beginning. Small business ownership and expertise, much like stock ownership, can compound. And as an owner, you can directly influence the value of your portfolio. Doing so in the stock market, by contrast, is both illegal and unfair. I don't say any of this to knock Mrs. Money Mustache's e-commerce store. What she's accomplished is amazing. It really is. I'm just, you know, arguing about religion. Oh, man, I'm so excited about this one. Regular listeners of the show will know that I am addicted to audiobooks. I absolutely love them, especially... In the summertime, when you're cycling, you're hiking, you're traveling around, you're strolling around in new places, you're going to the gym, I think an audiobook is the ideal way to educate and inspire yourself while also doing the things that you love. That's why the one subscription I would never consider canceling is Audible. Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet. An unmatched selection of audiobooks that you can have access to as an Audible customer. Let's give you some books that you could get started with today if you sign up for Audible. Check out Grant by Ron Chernow. How about Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss? If you want an audiobook that reads like a movie, but it's about an entrepreneur, check out American Kingpin by Nick Bilton. There's so many fantastic audiobooks available, and the books that you download will sync across your devices to your phone to your tablet or at home on your Amazon Echo. As an Audible member, you get a credit every month, which is good for any audiobook in their store, regardless of the price. And your unused credits roll over to the next month. And if you didn't like the book you downloaded, no problem. You can exchange it, no questions asked. Plus, the books are yours to keep for good. With Audible, you can go back and re-listen anytime, even if you cancel your membership. So go ahead and start a 30-day trial and get your first audiobook for free. This right here is the product that I would be willing to pay almost anything for, my favorite application on my mobile handset. Join me as an Audible customer. Go over to audible.com slash TMBA. That's right, audible.com slash TMBA or text TMBA to 500 500 that's right you can just pick up your phone and text tmba to 500 500 pick up your first audiobook on audible today for free and trust me this is one of the best investments you can make in your business education see entrepreneurship is hard it takes years not months and it can feel daunting just like paying off hundred thousand dollars in student debt or forgoing a vacation to pay down your mortgage. But payment by payment, step by step, you can make progress. 
And when you look back, the most critical moment in the process was believing you could do it in the first place. It was thinking, you know what? I'm going to stop saying screw it. I'm going to return my awesome big ass truck and focus on financial responsibility. I know that's hard, but the hardest part is still ahead of you. If you stop there after setting your budgets, filling out your spreadsheets, planting your garden, and wisely investing the money you've set aside, you've missed the point. How many people do you know who earned a high salary for over 15 years? Or who stayed healthy for an entire career? Or whose job didn't move to a place they didn't want to work? And even if all those factors work out, and they love their jobs, at the end of it, they're still living on a fixed income. I've met people like that in real life, and you know what most of them have in common? Fear. Fear that the money will go away, that the plan will get messed up, and perhaps the strangest one of all, fear that they will live too long. I'm not saying entrepreneurs are fearless people, of course, but if we have confidence in the future and the courage to try things, it's because we've spent years investing in a set of skills that can adapt and grow stronger. Is starting a small business risky? Perhaps. But my religion only asks a few years, not 17. And you'll be investing at the same time, in yourself and in your skills. Let's say the economy takes a hit and Mrs. Money Mustache's business goes under. That's a huge setback, but her three years in business have helped her hone a dynamic skill set and a set of relationships that will serve her next business. And in fact, here's what she had to say about the second store she built. And I quote, The second shop is so much more fun than the first. For one thing, I am making products that I love using myself and really believe in. I also had so much experience at making my first shop successful that the second one was much easier. I had a few customers that shopped at my first shop that immediately bought from my second shop. So that first sale came a lot faster. That sounds a bit like compounding. Let's take this a step further. I believe time is more valuable than money. So why not prioritize making our time compound as well as our money? Over the past few years, I have taken Mr. Money Mustache's advice and that of many of his colleagues, investing some of my savings in an index fund. And over the past few years, that money has grown a little bit. Pretty cool. But those returns, even if they remain good for a decade, would pale in comparison to what I've achieved in my own small businesses. Those returns have been 30x in the last eight years. I have effectively retired in less than a decade. And the whole time I traveled and bought most of the things I wanted without thinking about any of it too much. I didn't buy that big ass truck, incidentally. I bought a Honda Odyssey. Both strategies have risk and won't work out for everyone. But Ian and I both believe that if the market could compound our money, why couldn't we compound it with our own effort? Why not be financially responsible and cut out the middleman? Perhaps my conviction here derives from a very basic issue. When I had a career, I felt powerless. I did my work according to the strange time frame set by society. I had little control over my physical location. I took a lot of abuse from customers. I moved my apartment when my bosses moved their office. I came to work when they said I should come to work. And when I had to go to the dentist, I worried that it would cause a problem or worse, that it would impinge on the few weeks a year I had away from it all, my so-called holidays. For these and many other reasons, I'm always just a little bit suspicious when people insist that they actually love their nine to five. I've met so many people who have the best jobs I can imagine, and the reality is often something between it's okay and I'm stuck. 
Even rarer is the career person who's built equity in their work, relationships, education, and profession over decades, only to drop it all and go do something else to live off their savings. Those who truly love what they do and the people they do it with find it very hard to walk away. And if you do walk away, how much did you love it when you were doing it in the first place? I've also met a lot of self-made millionaires who have retired early. And here's the thing about them. They are almost never people who hit it big. Instead, they're those who have worked on their business year after year. That small store eventually becomes a bigger one. When I ask these early retirees about how they made their money, how they take Wednesdays or entire months off, the answer almost always boils down to, I started a small business. But maybe the popularity of early retirement blogs will change all that. And perhaps I can only see the cases that confirm my beliefs. At the end of the day, the early retirement crowd and I aren't so different. We're like alternative sects of the same religion. The facts are the same. Be smart about your money. If you drive, drive an entrepreneur mobile. Find financial and personal freedom. Over the years, I've heard hundreds, if not thousands, of early retirement stories in person from young and middle-aged people all around the world. I go out of my way to have these conversations. You know, 15 years ago, if I had overheard a young American couple in a cafe on a Wednesday afternoon in Europe talking about how much they were looking forward to spending the summer with their families, I'd have assumed they were from old money. Today, I'd listen in for more clues. I probably wouldn't be able to help myself. I might even interrupt them and ask for the story. How did they end up with so much control over their time? I'm fascinated by the ingenious ways that people make it work. You build an online store that sells what? So you can blame my spotty memory or religious allegiances, the cities I frequent, or the circles I hang out in. But for all the retirement stories I've heard, this one, we paid off our debt, built winning careers we loved for just over a decade, quit, and now we're going to live off the interest indefinitely, would count as one of the most unique yet. Thanks for listening. Ian, surprisingly difficult to read things. Tell you what, it's like sort of like gymnastics for the mouth. And I had to call you to clarify how to pronounce your last name. (laughs) It's like, dude, really? All right, Ian, so we are going to post this podcast at tropicalmba.com slash retirement cult. If you want to weigh in, give us some ideas, tell us we're smart, tell us we're dumb. I love dissenting opinions so long as they're respectful. We love to hear your honest thoughts. So One of the things we wanted to do here at the end, Ian, with the article in mind, is give some hot takes. Maybe say things that we believe but haven't maybe fully thought through or whatever. Some things that we think about this space and and what it means for people who are interested in entrepreneurship and fundamentally financial freedom. That's what this is all about, right? It's like vegans and paleos get more mad at each other than people who eat at McDonald's every day. You're fighting for like the last 1%, basically. You just fight with people that are closer to you. The people that are closest to you are the ones that you're trying to like win territory from. And it's this case with the early retirement crowd that there's this sort of battle between entrepreneurship and stuff that I've seen. And it's like, this is why this article was incendiary to me. It was a little bit of blasphemy. It was a financial early retirement blogger admitting 
to having started a business. And we, I saw that as a big deal because for so long we thought, why hasn't this been so obvious? That, like this is absolutely the next step. It's the case that fundamentally these two groups are both seeking the same thing. Let's get some hot takes. What do you got for me? What I love about the early retirement cult is that they're willing to think differently about things, that they're living their lives separate from a lot of people. And I think that that's where good things happen. You know, when you break off and you say, wait a minute, something's not right here. And I think that like the fundamentals of that are good. When you see people starting to resist what has become status quo and going their own way, I think good things come from that. I think movements come from that. I think revolutions come from that. Well, and one of the good things about you say the word cult, we have to also be a cult if we're going to call them a cult. Absolutely. I think what a cult does is they develop mores and you know things that are good and things that are bad and that is really valuable when you know you have this sort of statement keeping up with the joneses this idea that your consumption habits say something about how valuable you are you know i'm a really good person i drive an audi or whatever <laughs> and what the early retirement cult does a great job of doing is saying like that's not prestigious at all like that person's a dummy What's really prestigious is this set of mores, which is being you know frugal, self-sustainability, being smart with your money, because ultimately, you're going to be a better provider for your family. So I love all that stuff. Here's the other thing that both cults, the early retirement cult, and I think the entrepreneur cult do well, which is they trick their brain into thinking certain things are true or real. And I think that you have to do a certain amount of that to get away from the Joneses. You have to refute some of the ideas and say like, you know what? This is the way it should be. And this is my religion. And this is my story. And I'm sticking to it. Now, that might be like an absolute truth for you, but it's not necessarily a truth for everyone else. And so I think what happens is like, you start to look into all these different cults and you start to think like, well, that's kind of wacky that you believe that. That's kind of crazy that you think that. But I think if you're in that situation and you're trying to achieve a goal, which is early retirement, personal financial freedom, whatever it might be, we do have to trick ourselves into thinking certain things are real and true to achieve these kinds of goals. One of the reasons I think so many people value expatriatism in the entrepreneurship community is it can do exactly that. It can all of a sudden, like these jeans that you used to care about buying because they were the cool jeans, all of a sudden... People are wearing the exact opposite brand on the other side of the globe, and you realize that none of that crap matters. It's like immediately in your face and, and use that as a metaphor to take to all walks of life. And there's, there's a real value there. On the early retirement front, you, good sir, helped me buy a $350 car. And I cruised around town in a $350 car. Is I still to this day, I think the crappiest car I've ever seen anyone driving. <laughs> it was a baptismal moment for me. It was almost like this idea of I valued it in the end because I was like, hey, it doesn't matter. Like it just doesn't matter. And you were driving that car in Southern California where cars mattered the most in this country. <laughs> what really mattered to us back in the day was starting our business. And we realized that we had to be as frugal as possible to get that done. We had to save everything we had in order to pile it into this business and make it work for what we really wanted in the long term. So Dan, I want to start to get into kind of some of the differences though between the early retirement cult and the entrepreneur cult. By the way, I have to interrupt just to say I have a photo of you working on the $350 car, which I'm happy to post at this URL, tropic1va.com slash retirement. <laughs> I think people have seen that. 
Retirement cult. Okay, so let's get into some of the juicy stuff, Bossman. What's a hot take you got? So one of the things that I think that, again, I think we are very much on the same path, but there's some places where we diverge on our path to financial freedom. So let's talk about some of the differences. Dan, this one hits me hard because every time I'm reading articles, I start to feel bad about myself, but then I realize, (laughs) no, wait, I shouldn't feel bad. I want this. I drive, I'm just going to say this on the podcast, I drive a big, shiny, new-ish white truck. And this goes against everything. We just lost all the potential early retirement people coming on board. They're they're gone. This goes against everything that that community believes. Here's the reason why I drive a big, shiny, new truck. Number one, I need it. And when I say I need it, I haul race cars around. I haul campers around. I haul lumber around. It is a very utilitarian vehicle for me. Before, I owned a $2,500 truck. And it, yes, it did most of the things that my newer truck does. But the reason this truck, I think, is like such a contentious point for that community is because it exemplifies waste, right? These trucks are very expensive. They use a lot of consumables. Supposedly, you can put wood on the back of your bike and achieve the same thing. Like I could ride home 20 miles from Home Depot because that's how far it is with this wood on the back of my bike risking my life on a two-lane road. But I prefer to do it in a truck. And the reason I prefer to do it in this truck is because I have saved enough. I am financially free enough where I can afford it. I've paid cash for it. Well, isn't that just the whole thing, though? Isn't that the whole answer is you can afford it. You're not on a fixed income. That's correct. And I've actually ridden my bike to that shopping center before, but that's not how I want to spend my time, right? How I want to spend my time is actually building and I want to drive my truck to there. So point being, Dan, I can afford the truck. And I think that one of the things that happens in the early retirement community, I'm using the truck basically as a metaphor for a martyrdom. And I think if you can afford something, if in truly to be able to afford a $35,000 truck, I think like that has to be like less than like one or 2% of your net worth, honestly. But anyways, if you can afford that truck, you need that truck, you want that truck, whatever it is, you enjoy that truck, you shouldn't not allow yourself to have that truck. If you're living this lifestyle where everything gets put into a spreadsheet and you're projecting everything out 15 years, then everything comes at the cost of one of those lines that is immobile in a sense, right? In other words, the income potential is more or less set in stone. That's why this step beyond your salary and your savings and like the question mark investments that you're going to be making, that's why the step is a bit of a blasphemy, right? It like sort of shreds the whole thing. That's one of the points I wanted to bring up, which is this idea of like, I think it's questionable the whole idea enterprise of sort of building a life around getting out of something that you're in. Like if it's worth sacrificing 10 or 15 years to get out of the condition that you're in, can't you sort that out in a year? Like, isn't there something a little bit more urgency we can introduce? Well, we've talked about that a lot on this program, which is like deferred retirement. We've seen our parents' generation do it, right? I've like worked the last 35 years so I can do X. They find out that they don't really like doing X. And so I think part of the early retirement cult, and I'll say cult again, because that's an easy way to describe it. And I'll describe the entrepreneurial cult as well. But part of the early retirement cult is like rewiring your brain to say, 
I'm okay in this office for the next 10 years. And then once you get out, God damn, I really hated that office, but I'm so glad that I have my free time and my money now. Right. You have to trick yourself into thinking that. Whereas I think with a strategy like entrepreneurship, you might be able to be a little bit more honest with yourself, which is, you know what? I'm at the top of my game. I'm doing really well. I'm making $150,000. I'm a software engineer, but I don't really like it. I don't really like being here. I'd like to retire early. I'd like to figure out a way not to have to sit in this office. I'd like to continue coding because I'm good at it, but I don't want to do it for this schmuck right here. I want to figure out a way to do it for myself. (laughs) And so how can we figure out how to do that? Whereas again, the other side of the argument is, I'm just going to sit here quietly, collect my paycheck, eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and bite my tongue, basically. Yeah. And I think maybe part of the reason that... You tell me if I'm off base here, man. Part of the reason that actually I got a little bit energized. I think there's a bit of the audience to whom the message appeals of like, let's just say the word be monkish or be disciplined or, you know, all this like kind of DIY kind of ethic, like, you know, save. That's the primary goal because what you want is this financial freedom. I think what got me bothered about that is first off, the circumstances under which that situation where you're a high earner and that nothing comes up in your life and that you can sustain it for a decade and a half, that sort of situation is just, I feel like it's not accessible to a lot of people. You know, I know entrepreneurs, sometimes they get, you know, say, well, that's only for people that are healthy and smart and, you know, have privilege and stuff. But I mean, I look at something like this and I say, I don't know, like, I really think that this is not available to a lot of people. Well, sure. It's starting with the basic premise that you're already a high earner. Exactly. You're not working at 7-Eleven, like trying to figure out how you're going to save your $13 an hour into early retirement. Although I'm sure that there's places that people will convince you that that's a possibility. And the same thing, you know, in the entrepreneurial space, which is basically like, look, if you're like working at 7-Eleven and you have no skills, like your chances of being an entrepreneur are basically zero as well. You have to actually go out there and develop the skills and find the resources to, you know, start your own business. And I think a lot of the argument for the early retirement is like, look, I already have the skill set. I'm already sitting here. I'm already making $150,000 a year. All I have to do is just start saving and not buying expensive trucks. And 10 years from now, I'll be free. So you don't have to like fundamentally become a different person. Whereas with entrepreneurship, you have to become a different person. That's what got me mad about it. It's the weird combination of it not being that accessible, number one. Number two, my spidey sense that it doesn't work out for a lot of people. Like one life shakeup and the whole thing's in disarray, whether it's career, health, mobility, economy, you name it. So instead of telling people a more truthy truth, which is like, hey, maybe like you do need to like take a next step and you need to evolve and need to become a little bit more enterprising. Life isn't a spreadsheet. Let's not trust that 15 years is going to work out the way Microsoft Office says it's going to work out. Why don't we figure out a way to adapt to change, to make the pie a little bit bigger? And by the way, to have a little bit of fun and to get out of this thing a little bit earlier that we're so bummed about being in. That might be an unfair characterization for a huge part of the community. Look, like we said at the beginning, I'm all about being frugal. I'm all about being smart with money. 
I just don't think it's the answer. I do not think it's the answer if you want to retire early. I think I've you know made it clear in the piece that I just disagree, I flat out disagree that that's the answer. And, and I think that that's when all of a sudden you read a blog post that says, oh, you know, we actually started a business two years ago. And actually like a lot of the investments that have worked out for us kind of look like a business, but we don't really call it a business because it was an investment. And now it's like, okay, well, we're really gesturing towards this skill set called, you know, the enterprising skill set, the entrepreneurial skill set. That's a critical piece to all of this. Well, it certainly is once you start to get a little money, because if you're not managing that money properly or those assets properly, it can disappear, right? So you do have to become enterprising if you build up this nest egg and you are able to retire. You have to figure out a way to make it work. Again, Dan, I think that there's so much crossover in my life personally in the two communities. Like, I build things. I'm very resourceful. I don't like to pay people. You collect rainwater, man. I collect rainwater. You know, <laughs> I put those tanks out there myself, things like that. So there's a ton of crossover between wanting to do things yourself because I'm genuinely interested in learning those skill sets. I'm also genuinely interested in saving money. Like, I do things for a percentage of what other people do because I know how to work on my own cars. It lets me go racing. I know how to work on my own house. All these things. So there's like tons of crossover between myself personally, Dan, and that community. 100%. But where it starts to break down for me is, again, something that you mentioned, which is having fun and buying the things that you want because you can afford them. Or to take a life-changing vacation with the family to some place that you're passionate about, that you really want to learn about. Whatever it is that you want to spend money on, if you have afforded yourself that opportunity, if you have done all the things right, like you're not in debt and you've saved, I do think that you should enjoy yourself. Because like you said earlier on, life is not a spreadsheet. And I think that we all want the same thing, which is health, wealth, personal financial freedom, autonomy, things like that. You do not at the same time, Dan, have to deprive yourself of some of the pleasures in life that cost money. You know, my parting shot is I think there's definitely like a aesthetic. Obviously, like I'm a big traveler. I love the cars with you, all that kind of stuff. So there's an aesthetic difference that I have with this community. But really, my problem is a lot more theoretical. So my parting shot is I'd be willing to test this thing out. I mean, I, I don't think there's a data on this, but this part of the reason it's such a religious argument, Ian, is like I truly believe that if you want to retire early, that taking that next step and investing money in the enterprising skill set and the entrepreneurial skill set is the best investment you can make. I believe that deep into my soul. And like I said in the article, my experience backs that up. Like I meet people that are functionally retired all the time. By the way, like retirement looks a lot different than what it's described at in the early retirement community. So I think we have a track record to hold up. Like I would love to go to some debate. I would love to just show the track record. Like, look at this. Like, come to our event next weekend. 25% of these people are functionally retired. What are you guys talking about? The whole concept is, as far as I can understand, is seated on you as an individual or you as a family being high earners, you know, hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, whatever it might be. Isn't it the case that our strategy is is too? I think it absolutely is. Like to achieve financial freedom and to retire, you have to at some point in your life become a high earner. But I do not think that you have to start a high earner. 
when we first started our business, we were making like $15 an hour. But what I'm saying is like, you have to bounce back when things change. And that's my problem with the spreadsheets is that you're investing so much in what I think is fundamentally a fragile strategy. You know, one stock market turn, one career change, one health change, and entrepreneurship is a insurance policy against these things. And that's what I'm arguing, that this is actually more effective because life happens, because life is in a spreadsheet, because you probably won't have the same high earning salary for 15 plus years. Right. Look, enough of what we think. We want to know what you think. Check us out at tropicalmba.com slash retirement cult. This was a good one. This was fun. Yeah. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. And I'd like to invite anybody that's actively living this life onto the show too. I want to talk to more people that are part of this community because I'm genuinely interested. I, feel, I Dan, I honestly feel like I'm living 90% of that life in terms of like frugality, working with my hands, being resourceful. I only diverge on that 10%, which basically says you need to have a high earning job. Maybe it's actually more than 10%, but the part where you need to have a high earning job and that you can enjoy yourself with purchases here and there. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. If you're listening to this and you think we're crazy or if you just want to share your story, we'd love to hear from you. Check us out in the comments, tropicalmba.com slash retirement cult. And as always, we will be back next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with some cultish. What do cults do? Drink Kool-Aid. Drink cool. We're going to drink Kool-Aid next Thursday morning. <laughs> Come drink the entrepreneurial Kool-Aid with Dan and Ian next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.